Welcome back to Forbidden Knowledge News. I'm your host, Chris Matthew. Today, my guest is Melissa Martell. First, I have just a couple of announcements. If you have a business you want to advertise with us, email me, ForbiddenKnowledgeNews at gmail.com. We do have unbeatable pricing ad packages, and we reach a huge audience. Check out our website, ForbiddenKnowledge.News. That's also the home of the Forbidden Knowledge Network. You're going to find awesome podcasts from our community. We're always available on Rockfin, Odyssey, Rumble, all podcast platforms. And Rockfin is where you get our premium content. And all the premium content from every creator there on Rockfin. You just go to rockfin.com slash fknplus or click the link in the description to sign up. You can also create a free account, get tons of free content, as well as all our regular shows for free. Today I want to welcome Melissa Martell. She has been a lover of history and folklore her entire life. She was born in a haunted hospital, then lived in a haunted house, as well as attended a reportedly haunted school as a youngster. This led to a natural curiosity about all things on the dark side of folklore. She attended college in Victoria, B.C., studying history and psychology. However, she would regularly be researching the ghostly and occult history of the city rather than her required classes. In 2016, she started behind-the-scenes designing e-zines, websites, and founding the Folklore Podcast with author Mark Norman. She then branched out on her own with Esoteric Studies on the Secret Door podcast, and then began researching cults on Deprogrammed podcast. Melissa, welcome. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me here. Yes, it's great to finally get you on. This is long overdue, like we were just talking about, but you're here now. It's great. I love your podcast, and you explore some of my favorite things, folklore, esoterica, and even cults. There's a lot of fun rabbit holes we could jump into today, and I'm sure we will. Uh, <laughs> this is your first time on, though. Tell us tell us a little bit more about yourself, your background, and what led you down your path and all the different podcasts you were doing. Well... It's sort of been a mishmash of things over the years, sort of finding what works. I started off in graphic design and behind the scenes on a the, the Folklore podcast, ironically. And I wasn't doing any podcasting. And then after I left that, we decided I got into more paranormal. And I'd always wanted to focus just on folklore, but it sort of had its own path that it went on. So it went from that. I had a really good podcast called The Secret Door, but then I got into talking about cults, which is still an interesting thing. We can talk about that still in in this show rather than just folklore, but because it's fascinating because it's so abundant oh, on the I internet. I talk about that. Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and that sort of, you know, I've, I've had a myriad of different hosts and whatnot, and we've just decided to go into folklore because my friend Letitia is into folklore and I was, and we always wanted to do a show together. So we started Folklore Dark, you know, mostly we're looking at a lot of storytelling traditions, but there's so many other areas of folklore that you can cover, like, you know, garments, uh, you know, religious practices, games, etc. But we focus mainly on stories and books and, and oral tales and stuff like that. Awesome. But it's yeah, it's been about five years of podcasting to come to this point. 
Yeah, that's man. That's that's almost like me. I've been doing this about six years, and uh, that's great. You've been doing this for a long time and covering a lot of cool stuff. Now, uh, I want you to tell us about your haunted childhood. You've had some uh, oh. <clears throat> some pretty uh, haunted experiences, huh? Well, yeah, and it's part of um, it's probably part of the culture too where I grew up. I I was born on the east coast of Canada, and so there was always the stories of like the that that even the hospital that I was born in was haunted. And so you'd hear all these tales and I never, you know, I was really young. So you just go with the flow with what your culture tells you. But we moved into this house. I think it was, would have been in 83. And we started having paranormal experiences there, which, you know, I don't know. I don't know. I, I won't say where it is because currently there's people who live in there. I'll, you know, respect their privacy because they, they, I don't think they experience anything, but we had all sorts of, it was an old Victorian and we had all sorts of like footsteps and lights going on and, you know, people sighting something up in the room, like a man. And it just was a myriad. And we didn't live there for long, like maybe four or five months before we moved out. And quite you know weekly there was things that was going on at least once a week so something would happen to somebody now you know I guess logically I'd say well it could be logically explained but there were some things like you you would be sitting downstairs and you would start to hear we we thought it was a man walking upstairs you would hear it loud and clear and we would just be like okay that's the ghost all right you know we just sort of accepted it what is it about old victorian houses we live in one that was built in like 1893 and we hear footsteps upstairs all the time nothing really nefarious happens you know we've had things move quite often even pictures that are so high up on the wall that will be like tilted and impossible that a person got up there and did that and it'll just be like the next morning we'll wake up and picture will be tilted and the night before we'll hear people like just we'll hear footsteps like loud footsteps upstairs go upstairs peek around nothing's there so i you know that's pretty crazy it is and i don't know if it's just like some people i know the logical people are probably gonna say like oh it's creaking floors it's an old building but no this was distinct like somebody walking it wasn't creaking it was distinctive footsteps, you know, so it, I was, I, I don't buy that one on this, but I don't know, maybe it's some kind of thing we have in the culture and we're projecting out and I, I have no idea, or it's just, it's a motive that happens probably throughout different cultures too. Right. You, um, um, it could be that, 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 whatever was there, that's what they did. It was a repeated pattern. Who knows? Yeah, I, you know, I often wonder uh, a lot about whether it's, you know, just something residual, the energy there that may just kind of be repeating, like you just said, or actually something of intelligence or, or, or you know, current consciousness that communicate. Uh, we have yet to have any communication, but the picture moving thing is is pretty, it's annoying, really, because, you know, it looks nice, and then we wake up in the morning, and it's, you know, I don't know, they're, they're just screwing with us, <laughs> but, you know, that, that aspect. Now, you also went to a haunted school? Well, yeah, and it was, <laughs> this is going to blow your head off. <laughs> it was across the street from the house. Like you, I'd walk down the the road and go to the school and I was only there for a short time. I never had any experience there, but there was tales, the folklore tales. And it was the tale of a little girl 
who haunted the school. And the story was that, and I have never been able to confirm this. I've never found any proof in the records of this at all, but there used to be this old chocolate factory that was on the site called Dorothy's Chocolates. Whether it's true or not, I cannot confirm that. This could all just be folklore. And a, a, a little girl got killed or some accident, you know, it's following those tropes. And now on that place where the school is, people have spotted a little girl wandering through the halls that kind of disappears. So I got told that story about this school I was going to, and I thought, oh, my God. And I was six years old, and I thought, I do not want to see this little girl. Because in my mind, I had, like, some kid mangled by some chocolate factory, like Willy Wonka gone bad or something, you know. And um, But, yeah, that was the story about that school. And it was literally down the street and across across the way. Right from the house I lived in. Yeah. Wow, that must have been nice just to be able to get up and walk to school like that. Uh, now, over the past, you know, just even in the past few years, we've had um, a massive amount of information that's come out about our own history, about uh, the false nature of it, about the inaccuracies. And this has been going on since the beginning of written history, where the victors write the history or rewrite it. And there's things lost. There's things lost in translation. We've had cataclysms that have knocked out a, a huge portion of our ancient wisdom. So when we look at ancient fo- folklore, uh, there's so much of it that we, it's so fascinating, you know, that we think that it's just uh, uh, cautionary tales or things that we have told along the years that have been changed or kind of uh, morphed into scary tales about vampires or ghosts or, or even fairies and aliens. But it makes me wonder how much truth to some of this stuff is because we've learned that there's a lot more truth to some of the 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 um, more fantastical stuff we know about our history than mm-hmm. we've, we've been led to know. So even the folklore, I'm wondering, you know, how much do you think uh, is truth about some of these paranormal, especially <laughs> tales? Well, that's kind of the point of folklore is to dig back and get to the root of the story. And that's a really difficult thing to do. So, like, you can go look at something like Slenderman on the internet, and you can trace it back easy because it's just happened. It's a myth that's been created, and you can trace it back. But when you're looking at something like that haunted school, for instance, it's really hard to say whether or not it happened. Because, I mean, first off, in 1877, there was a massive fire in that city that burned all the records down. You know, things happen, like you said, disasters. Um I think I always think there's an element of truth to all the stories. And, you know, it's kind of like a game of telephone, you know, where it passes down. So it's definitely most folklore is distorted. And, you know, but there is definitely an element of truth. What level? I mean, I can't obviously give you an amount, but I think there is definitely a kernel of truth in almost every story that we have. Whether it's to warn you or something, whether it's an actual event. Um, but I, I like I, that's why I like the folklore of like the people rather than, say, some kind of government thing, because I think people, they have less of a propaganda. I'm not saying they don't, but like if you when you go and look at propaganda, let's say, I mean, it's out there even today. It doesn't matter what polit- political site you're on. I mean, 
who knows? Like, who, that's not just handing down a story to hand information. That's purposely designing things to manipulate people and get a certain outcome. So, like, <clears throat> I like folklore because I really do think there's an honest, more honest kernel of truth to any kind of tale. And it, and it gets lost because of orality. It's like not mostly in our history, most of the folklore is of the people and it's handed down orally. It's not necessarily written down so that that's where things, you know, where you get the changes. Because like I said, it's like a game of telephone, whereas yeah. like propaganda is real. Yeah. It's yeah, yeah it's really deliberately done. I mean, yeah. you yeah, you go back to um, the um, Plantagenets versus the Tudors and you see how they manipulated after Richard III died, I mean, they repainted his paintings to make him look monstrous. It was like intentional. That stuff still happens today, and you know. And but the, the story—it's it's interesting. Um, how much of it's true? Like I said, I can't say, but I think yeah. there's always kernels of truth, and that's the like I said, the purpose of folklore is to kind of dive into that and try to get to a point of where the story is originated from. Yeah, and then when you say uh, propaganda is prevalent today, you said more than a mouthful there. That's a whole other show that, that, we, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that we would have to get into there for sure. <laughs> One of my favorite areas of folklore that kind of cro- majorly crosses over today and to paranormal and, and ufology realms is the folklore of fairies and fey folk and some of the, mm-hmm. the tales that surround that with abductions and people being taken for days and, uh, and seemingly time all alters and changes and then they have the tales of changelings where people's children are taken or they're actually taken and strange experiments are done on them this is all kind of like crossovers to ufology in ways to me um what are some of your favorite aspects of like fairy folklore well when you talk about the changeling um, mm. I've done, I did a show on that long time ago and funny, we have our show coming out that I'm putting out today is Dean Bertram came on and he talked about UFO folklore. So we have one coming out mm. on that, right. but the idea of the changeling is really fascinating is that the fairy has stolen your baby, your human baby and replaced it with a fairy baby. And ooh, whether, I mean, could it be true? It could be, but it's also when you look back in time, in in medieval times, like let's take UFOs out of this, it was also a way of explaining problems and medical problems that showed up with the baby. So say the baby started having some kind of disability that we would have diagnosed today. We'd say maybe they have Down syndrome, maybe they have some kind of medical issue that we understand in, yeah. you know, 800 years ago, the explanation was the fairies must have come <laughs> right, and switched yeah. and switched the baby up. So there's that element to it as yeah, well. It's kind of awful. It is, but that's how they would explain it. I yeah, mean, right. that's how they dealt with it in those times to make it like, okay, this, our baby is gone and this is a fairy baby. And so there's that element to that. Um, and the, U- I think the UFO abduction, there's similarities, but I, I don't think it's the same, like the, the same thing's not happening mm. where we're like, oh yeah, we just abducted the kid and switched it out. I think people are, ha- I think a lot of people are having an experience and whether or not it's real, it's real to them. And it's important to listen to, because I think there's something definitely going on there. I, I don't know if it's the same as a change experience. Um, 
where they switch swap it out but maybe the adult um tales of being abducted by a fairy or or similar like back in the day i think those two are probably similar but i was always interested in the changeling element of it because it's it's kind of creepy you know having your kid abducted (laughs) and it and it speaks to our terror like i'm a mom and my son's grown now 16 17 but it's terrifying if you're out somewhere and you've got your kid four years old and you turn around and they're missing. It's, it's a horrifying experience. So I think it speaks to our terror of our children going missing as well. Yeah, that's, I want to get into the kind of missing for one one aspect, the things that could lurk in the woods for sure. One more thing I want to kind of touch on about fairies. I had Joshua Kutchin on a couple of times and he talks about oh, the, uh, the fairy blast where somehow these things would either blow on you or blast you with something and you'd have little pieces of material that kind of become lodged inside yourself or under the skin or can be like excreted and that kind of makes me think of a little bit of a crossover with ufos where people are getting things like implants and things removed but it's still it's creepy and interesting as well or like you see those movies where you know there there's some kind of creepy alien pod thing and it sucks on your face or you know the body's being invaded by something and you have no control over yourself now Yes, that yeah. kind of element is is pretty creepy. Yeah, and and, uh, and so he referenced Joshua referenced that in fairy lore as well. Yes, yes, he's uh, called it a fairy blast. A fairy blast. Yeah. Well, I think I think well, it could be real, but it, uh, it everything always always references our terror of you know things being in our body. I mean, perhaps, and I don't know. This is just me off the cuff thinking about this that. I mean, you can have parasites or different things invading your body. So, you know, maybe it's an explanation back then. Could have been, yeah. Who there's knows? So many, um, there's so many crossovers that, that you know, kind of touches on. Uh, fairies have crossovers to uh, other things kind of creatures and beings that could live in the woods and kidnap children and pray off mm-hmm. for your fears and all these things. You know, we hear Bigfoot. Uh, we hear of dogmen, um, mothmen, and other type of strange creatures. Like one more recently is the rake. Have you heard of the rake? This guy's looks creepy. I think a lot of the video is fake. No. But <laughs> I don't know if you know, I don't know if most what of the videos is, what are is fake. he doing? It is, is some like kind a, of animalistic. It looks kind thing? of like a um, a ball, completely bald, very stick like creature with very long arms, longer arms than legs that kind of uh, kind of crawl along, and he's got a uh, kind of like a gray alien type of, of face with very little features, just big black eyes, and you know wow. it's hard to tell if some of these videos uh, are fake. These and that's the problem with like YouTube videos and things that we're looking at that are trying to show us you know paranormal videos or ghosts or creatures we don't know it's fake these days and so there's so many good special effects that are being done so you know watching yes. videos and stuff is a really hard way to to kind of gather any type of uh, proof or anything are you at a crossroads in life with unanswered questions how does your past connect to your present life October Hallam can help you discover how your past connects to your present and is shaping your future. October is an intuitive, healer, empath, and medium with over 20 years of experience helping people navigate through some of life's greatest challenges. 
A recent client from Egypt says, October is pure magic. We keep coming back for more and recommended her to our closest friends. If you would like to book a session with October, please contact her at theancientgift222 at gmail.com. Well, it is, and it's like, I think that phenomena is something else. That's like a cultural editing, sharing of media. Mm. That's something totally different than an actual experience in paranormal. Yeah, because they muddy the waters, though. That's what it, you know, that's what's not do. good about it. But, like, I've had a couple of paranormal experiences, and they're very short and fleeting, and they're there for a second, and then they're gone. And there's no video, you know, there's no video footage of it, and most of the stuff you're going to see is edited stuff because there's no way I think that you could probably capture this stuff on video. It's so fleeting and quick and whether it's connected with your psychology or it's really there or, you know, I I don't know. I was about to say it's rather personal too, isn't it? With like, Mm -hmm. you know, you don't see many groups, large groups of people being able to experience something together. It's more. There's some, there's some some. multiple witnesses, but a lot of stuff is, is very personal. Yeah. That's another very interesting aspect. And like, who's going to be standing there and it happens and you get your camera out. No, that's not like, that's not life. Well, maybe for some people it is if they're in a fight at, you know, McDonald's and they want to film it. But if you're having a paranormal experience, like I said, it's so subtle and it's not even like, it's, it's not like it's Ghostbusters where, you know. Ah, everything's it's it's such a subtle experience that it's more about you know the psychology and the physio physiology or things that you feel um like I, I i can't i just had a strange experience you know being at a client's house that i thought was well really interesting because the person's husband just passed away and i won't go into detail because it's private information with the client but it was it, it literally was happened in about a few seconds and i thought oh geez maybe the husband's still around and I'm at work. And it was like, oh, well, that was weird. You know, <laughs> wow. it happened like when you're not expecting it, you're working, mm. like things happen. So how can I possibly record that? Right. Yeah. I know. There's, I know exactly what you're yeah. talking about. The, 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 you can't, uh, some of those experiences cannot, impossible to be documented. Uh, one of the things you sent in a previous email that I'm really excited to talk about, because it's happened to me, is sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Uh, it mm. used to happen to me all the time, especially in my um, early 30s, whenever I was like going through a bad relationship. I wasn't in a good place in my life. This is before I even started any of this stuff. This was like around 2010 to 2012. I would have constant sleep paralysis. I would have, I would kind of wake up, kind of, and be stuck. I couldn't move, and I'd hear these loud banging noises, like someone's banging on my ceiling, and I couldn't do anything about it. And then I'd start to see people walk by my bed, and shadows mm. kind of just walk all around me, and I was just couldn't move until I just, until I did, until I was allowed to move. And then when I'd get up, everything was normal again. No banging, no shadows. But it was the strangest thing, and it happened to me for like three years straight. And, uh, you know, once I got into a better place in my life, it never happened again, but it was very Ah. fascinating. I want to get your take on sleep paralysis. Well, we, we, again, we are going to be doing a show on the Newfoundland hag pretty soon. And it's obviously there's a huge element of psychology to it. And maybe that wasn't understood always in the past, but 
it's created this folklore of like, it's interesting that people have different figures that visit them. It's not always an old hag or a shadow person. Mm-hmm. Like I've had an experience where I've talked about it briefly on our podcast where I was doing the show. We were doing a show called drawing out the spirits where I would talk about stuff and the co-host would draw because he's an artist and we drew this cat figure. He drew this cat figure because we were talking about some folklore about this mutilated. It was a ghost story where this mutilated cat would show up as like a forerunner, which is my favorite type of folklore. It's like a a ghostly thing that shows up and it warns you of death coming in the family. Uh, And we were talking about this story and he drew a picture of it. And we decided to kind of do this almost like a Philip experiment where you try to recreate this cat picture we drew up, we we were testing. It was like our scientific testing. And so he started doing all this visualization of this cat figure, seeing if he could manifest it. And I was really busy working. So I was not the one focusing on it as much as he was. And one day I actually had a sleep paralysis experience and it wasn't a cat that came in. It was, it wasn't a hag. It wasn't a shadow person. It was like this creamy white outline of a being. And I was in bed sleeping and I I knew it was walking down my hallway and into my living room and it came in my room and it literally crawled on top of me and started trying to push me down. And I was like, what, what the heck? And when I told it to get off, it hissed and whispered, no, like in my face. (laughs) And I don't know what it was going to do next because I kind of stopped fighting. And the minute I stopped pushing against it, well, whatever, it dissipated. So it's connected to me somehow, but it was really strange, but it wasn't like, I find it interesting that throughout history, yeah, the old hag is there and you have like a whole you know, town in Newfoundland that's experiencing. You have villages in Africa that experiences these demons and they all believe in it. And it's, it's, it seems to be hooked up to your psychology or something happening, but it's almost like you're manifesting something like a topo, like something that actually physically almost exists. I I don't know if that's true, but it, it feels very real, but no one else can see it, but there has been, yeah, but there has been people who have had sleep paralysis and they weren't the only one that witnessed their experience. Other people in their house have seen it. You know, they've seen it in the house or they've experienced stuff as well. So there's been those reports where it's not just them. They're, they'll have a roommate and the roommate's like, dude, I seen some hag in the hallway or something like that. So that happens where multiple people experience these, you know, sleep paralysis. And yeah, it, it probably can be explained psychologically, but they don't really know how to stop it, you know, and, and it could it be linked to emotional trauma? Yeah, it, it could be linked to emotional trauma and, and things in you. But I've also heard of people doing like like ritual experiences and trying to like a, almost like a shamanic experience, trying to pull this entity off of them. And they said it felt like they were pulling something out of them. So, I mean, you could even think it was some kind of form of possession. I mean, there's all sorts of theories on it where it goes. And it's so fascinating because one, it's not just one figure. It changes, it mutates, it's, it's everyone's having it, but there's the similar features. And I, I don't know. I don't know if it's just in our mind. I can't say that 100% definitively. I think there's a whole bunch of different reasons. I think there's something huge to sleeping in general and the states of sleep and the 
the actual uh, traveling of our consciousness uh, through astral mm-hmm. realms, through different realms. I think that is something that we're probably doing when we're sleeping is we're connecting to possible different realities. Um, I, you know, I couldn't tell you for sure, but, you know, I've had, uh, you know, plenty of very parallel dream experiences to reality where I will, you know, um, I'll have a dream that I'll uh, do something or find something that I've been looking for in real life. And then I'll find it in my dream and it'll be the exact place that I found it in my dream in real life. And there's so many strange parallels that have happened Mm -hmm. uh, just from dreaming. I think that there's, this is connected uh, more to reality uh than than we think and maybe not the the reality that we see through in this visual spectrum i think that there's plenty of different layers of reality beyond the spectrum of our vision that maybe we can access when we sleep what do you think about that oh absolutely i think that's quite possible i mean i don't know what that is and i don't know if we can test that but there's obviously things we can't perceive And there's this idea, like, you see all those fake psychics and people who are like, oh, I'm going to predict your future, and it looks hokey. But, and again, it's like the people who make up fake ghost stuff. It kind of ruins it, because I believe there is, like, we are connected, and we do pick up on things. But it's not like, oh, Esmeralda with her, you know, glass ball, you know, crystal ball, and she can know the future. It's just we're all in on this planet and there's like this sort of field that connects us. I don't know (laughs) what you want to call it, but I do believe we are connected and we can pick up on certain things or subliminal things that are happening even between us. So why not we're able to perceive something else that's not human? I don't know. It could, it could do. Yeah. That's, that's there. And that we're like, we don't know what it is because we can't see it in this, you know, three dimensional space. Yeah, I think there's so much more uh, just beyond the spectrum of our vision that's all around us at all times. Um, you mentioned something I want to talk about, uh, harbingers, like uh, entities that show up that are kind of like harbingers or doom or uh, messengers mm-hmm. of death or messengers of something yeah. uh, that is about to happen to, you know, that's not too good. Uh, let's talk a little bit about those. What, what are some experiences that you've heard of, some most profound ones? So where I on the east coast of Canada where I come from they called it a forerunner and it was obviously some kind of it could be knocking it could be a, a ghostly figure that was sh- you know showing up and it's telling you usually that someone in the family is going to pass on and the one that I heard was it was in my family and my grandmother who's passed on since she was a young girl And her mother had died when she was really young. She was kind of half raised by her father, half in orphanages and half lived with this aunt of hers, aunt, sorry, aunt. And um, the aunt was like, you know, from the Victorian area, mediumship, believed in, you know, spiritualism and would tell her how to read tarot cards and tell her a lot of this stuff. And one day she was visiting this aunt and in those days, they didn't, most people didn't drive. Remember, no one had a license. A lot of people didn't have licenses or cars. They may even still used, you know, horses even in some of these small little villages. And it, it would have been, in, it would have been in the forties or the fifties. And her father, he worked odd jobs all the time. And he was supposed to be in this other end of town. And she looked out and she could see her father walking down the street and he was coming 
up the walkway to her aunt's house. And she was like, oh, that's really weird. What is my, what is my father doing? You know, walking up to the house and she, her aunt's like, well, go get the door, let him in. And she heard him walk up onto the steps or whatever to come in. And she went to go get the door to let him in. And there was nobody there. And she was like, what is going on? And her aunt immediately said, this is bad news. This is a forerunner. Something bad is going to happen. Wow. And I think it was about, you know, I can't remember the exact time. I've written about this, so I have the exact time in writing. But I don't think it was too much longer where maybe a week. It wasn't very much time in between. Her father was out with the horse and he was trying to feed it. He'd come home from the pub. He had a few drinks and he went out with the horse and the mare swung her head and she struck him and he fell down and he thought he was okay. And he just went about his business. And I think within the next day he was in the hospital with a brain bleed and he died. And they believe that his own self showed up to say, Hey, I'm not going to be here much longer, a forerunner. And that's what they always called it in my family. And my grandmother swore on that story that he came up, she saw him, he came up and then he wasn't there. And she was pretty no nonsense, worked in hospitals all her life, but she swore on that story over and over again that she was sure that she was told that when her, that given a sort of a warning that her dad was going to die, but she didn't know who it was going to be. But it, it turned out yet to be her, her own father. That's and then he the, did die in the hospital. That's one of the creepiest phenomenon as when, when it comes to, you know, crazy paranormal stuff. Uh, to me, is like doppelgangers, you know, ha- seeing someone yeah. like your own self or, or someone that's a double uh, that's not real. That's yeah. very uh, creepy. And that doesn't seem to be uh, like a good sign for people either. No. No, and of course the Irish have the banshee and they've got like the the black dog that will come or they even have a hag that will show up with a dog. They've got all these folklore mythologies of, of, of things that are coming to warn a family. Like that cat story we had, that cat, it was a mutilated cat that was supposed to have been mutilated um, like way back when it was a ghostly cat and it would always show up to tell the family someone was about to die. So it her story was different because it's his own it's like you said it's his own doppelganger which is kind of it's like it's almost like did he know (laughs) who knows i don't know like it is creepy it's definitely creepy uh now i want to definitely get into cults because that's another fun topic but before we do that i want to hit the not only 411 miss, missing 411 aspect, but some of the, the cryptids and other creatures that are kind of lurking in the woods that may possibly be responsible for humans disappearing. Maybe not. Maybe it's something else we don't understand, or maybe it's just human stupidity. I don't know, but there's a lot of high strangeness that is surrounded with all those uh, missing 411 cases and people just disappearing out of nowhere and then some ending up miles from where they've lost. I mean, we know these crazy stories. Um, First, let's start with the possibilities of Bigfoot. This is, I used to never do shows about Bigfoot. Like, it, it it was kind of funny to me when I first started doing this, but the more I started looking into it, it became very real to me. I've, I've talk to so many uh, very respectable researchers and and gentlemen and, and women that are looking into this uh, very seriously and have, have have come up with very profound 
information that this uh, that points to this as a real phenomenon. Not only that, it's highly strange and unexplained uh, when it comes to some of the aspects like disappearing Bigfoot, Bigfoot going into portals, Bigfoot holding orbs, Bigfoot with a UFO near it, Bigfoot mm-hmm. associated with other paranormal hind strangeness, psychic Bigfoot. I mean, all these things that are like, you know, is this really just some lost hominid or is this something much more than we would ever understand? You know, I think it's like, I mean, I've never seen Bigfoot and and I've never, I'll be honest, I've never had a UFO experience or abduction or anything like that. So I don't want to like, I don't think people who have them are necessarily lying or wrong, but I think it's sort of like a lot of folklore where there's a route to something. There's probably something very real out there, you know, that may be misconstrued, but I think the more elaborate it gets, the harder it is for me to believe it. Like when it's at a portal <laughs> and it's talking to a dog man and having a coffee or like it's it a starts party to get right so there. Elaborate. Come on. Yeah, I know. It starts getting so elaborate that I'm like, I just my skeptical side comes in and goes, okay, well, um, I don't know. I don't even know what to do with that. Because like if I'm looking at folklore, you'd want to go back to like native tales. Like what did they think was happening with Bigfoot? What were they experiencing? Because I think that's more interesting than some of the elaborate stuff. Because, I mean, people, okay, people tell stuff to get attention. And, yeah, there are people who might say it had real experiences and be really honest. Like, I swear to God. But there are people who do tell things for attention. And it's nothing more. But that's why I think some of the Native stories are really fascinating. Because I, I think... They're, they're obviously experiencing something that really is out there. And, and maybe maybe there is something still to be found out there that we don't know of. Yeah. Um, well. Interdimensional? I, I don't know. Is it possible? It is. I mean, we were just talking about shadow people so and, and sleep paralysis. So maybe it's something similar, but you're just not sleeping. I don't know. Yeah. Well, what about areas of high energy, high strangeness, like concentrated energy that people are constantly experiencing paranormal activity. Of course, you hear about the famous Skinwalker Ranch, but there's other places all around the world that have like these concentrations of not only just paranormal activity, but other just high strangeness that seems to occur uh, congruently with everything else, like, uh, you know, a Bigfoot, uh, a UFO, a ghost. Uh, They have... uh, Skinwalker Ranch, there's a new place called The Meadow. They have the Blind Frog Ranch. You can even look at places like Mount Shasta, uh, Sedona, Arizona, places of just like a, a different type of energetic um, experience than, than other places. Uh, what do you think about that? Do you think it's just maybe something electromagnetically affecting that area? Uh, a lot of people think there's something underground. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you know what, there is definitely something to uh, some, you know, natural energies affecting us. I mean, we know that, like, you can actually have paranormal experiences from certain frequencies in the room. Like if you from sound vibrations, it can make you feel like you're having paranormal experiences. Um, that's I don't think that's always why people are having paranormal experiences. So that's certainly something. And but I think it's also there could like there could be some raw truth and then i think mythology gets created up in this and so there's the truth of the root experiences then there's 
a mixture of mythology and there could be environmental factors going on there. I also think that you need to be aware to be aware of people who are involved, like how much money are they making? <laughs> you know, like there's money, there's politics, all that stuff's involved. And when you've got humans, you kind of got to look at everything. But I don't doubt that there's root experiences going on somewhere are they as elaborate I, I don't I can't say I mean I've never been to Skinwalker Ranch so I can't actually personally say yay or nay I have you know but if someone says a, a werewolf came out of a vortex and was smoking a cigar I'm going to be a little more skeptical yeah. as if they said <laughs> yeah. I was at Skinwalker Ranch and you know it was really weird I just had this really subtle like this experience and it seems a little bit more personable or or like but when it feels like a comic book, that's when I'm like, I, yeah. my skeptic, I can't help it that my skeptical side is there. Now, because I have a, there's um, too many things that influences that in, yeah. in our media. There is. Uh, <laughs> do you know uh, Ryan Burns? He is a, a researcher out in the Utah area. And he's a, he's a really good friend of mine. And I, I, I do trust pretty much every experience that he said he's had over there. Mm -hmm. And there has, most of them are kind of subtle, just like, you know, like you were just talking about personal experience, hearing voices yeah. in the sky, little lights following you around. But there have been yeah. a couple that have been incredible that I don't think he's doing this just to get attention or lie about it. Right. For, for example, he's, uh, he said that he saw a very strange looking coyote just kind of walk up and there was something wrong with it. It didn't look right. And all of a sudden, it dissolved into dust and just was was gone. And well, things like really that is wow, you know. If things well, like that are hey. really occurring, that's you know that's th I fantastic. mean, when, when fascinating. I had it. That actually sounds like an acid experience I had when I was eighteen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think a lot so of us have had I'm that. not. I'm not doubting that he saw that. I I'm not even going to tell you what it is. Like he asked it. Right. You know, that's his. That's his experience. I'm not even going to, I have no idea. I mean, he, I, I don't doubt that he experienced that at all. Yeah. There's, uh, but, there's just you know, so as to what it is, who knows or why yeah. it is. Is it a real coyote? Is it from another dimension? That's sort of the mystery of the paranormal. Well, we also have the aspect of people, like I said earlier, Muddying the waters, coming in here to intentionally spread BS and um, to intentionally get people to think that this is all fake, that this isn't real. And we have some people in high levels coming in to do that. I know especially in the UFO uh, community, there's infiltrators <laughs> there. Not so much, I don't think, in the paranormal field. Maybe there is, you know, uh, I think that's mostly just kind of being push to the more woo-woo side, especially being portrayed in Hollywood and media the way it has been for the past few yeah. years. They don't seem to be focusing too much on paranormal. They seem to be shifting to like UFOs and aliens that they're a threat and we need to watch out for them for some strange reason. But uh, I don't know what to, I think that uh, the answer is that there that this the UFO phenomenon is probably more of a paranormal, spiritual, metaphysical thing than they want to admit. So that's probably yeah. why they're, they're pushing it to the more nuts and bolts physical threat type thing that's just my right. my personal opinion um well but go ahead no i was gonna say there's definitely other life out there i mean mm -hmm. we're not the only ones whether or not they're visiting us is the debate and you know when they start saying they're a threat in military you gotta think okay what kind of financing do these people want <laughs> that's what exactly. i always think it's it's like okay we're jumping the gun here because you don't even have them there you can't even produce them to say they're there and now you want all this, you know, 
you're saying they're a threat to humanity and we can't even see them. And I know that's it depends like I said, it depends who's saying it and what their intent is. Because I I think you like you said, it's muddy in the water because I know people who have really had genuine experiences and they don't even want to talk about it because it's so yeah. traumatic to them. Yeah, and there's some people that just want attention, you know, uh, that are just mm -hmm. trying to make up stories, or they have had an experience, <laughs> and maybe it was subtle, just like we're talking about earlier, so they have to embellish. So there's a lot of things that, that we have to, I, I think, oh. using our intuition uh, is yeah. one of the strongest things we can do when looking at all this and stuff. Remember, a lot of this stuff that people are looking at, like if you're looking at the History Channel or the Travel Channel, um, I had an ex-partner who used to work in documentaries and he wanted to do a documentary on the paranormal and get funding for it. He was filming something in Catalina for, I think it was HBO or something like that. And he was inquiring about funding to do something on the paranormal. And their response was, well, can you make a ghost manifest? And he's like, well, <laughs> that's not the point. It's like, I, the point is to talk about these, you know, theories and stuff. And they're like, no, 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 we'll fund something if you can guarantee a ghost will manifest so that tells you when it comes to a lot of these documentaries a lot of these shows it's entertainment basically yeah. so it, it, you kind of got to sort people's real experiences out from entertainment because they want something to happen so people can watch that's their objective so that's what they're about and same with ufo stuff on tv they want people to watch that's their objective so you kind of got to start sorting out that from people's real experiences and that's why I like with folklore dark I like to look at these old stories where people weren't trying to get attention necessarily they just they honestly believe something happened to them yeah absolutely uh now I want we have to get into the occult and which leads us to talking about cults I know you've done some some research into this and this is a fascinating topic when it comes to the occult um there's that's where a lot of people check out when they're doing deep dives into what why some of the things in reality happen maybe they're not spiritual person maybe they don't believe in paranormal or the occult and they hit something where um you know they're <laughs> that elite factions are at a um, a, a satanic ritual and you know they're performing all these strange things and they believe in this and uh, politicians believe and they're like no I'm checking out I'm not going there so they're missing out on like a huge portion of what is really going on behind the scenes whether you believe it or not a lot of these people believe in the occult uh, a lot of the people mm -hmm. that are in high places of power uh, practice uh, the occult and, and ritual magic and all these things mm -hmm. and Ritual magic for me, I mean, well, magic in general to me is a part of our existence. It's just like you said, it's an unseen energy that can be manipulated. Yeah. It's neither good nor bad, but people can use it just like a gun, just like a tool for good yes. or for bad. And I think that that is what we're seeing uh, and we've been seeing on a large scale when it comes to our manipulation of our consciousness and the direction that we're trying to be steered. And basically, um, mass mind control and all these things have been uh, kind of applied to humanity. And it also goes goes on individual and smaller scales into cults 
that people will, you know, join for, for whatever reason, for what, something that they're looking for in their life, it's something that they feel missing. Um, and this cult provides that for them, that answer, the, that, that one, those one beautiful answers for reality that they've been looking for. And a cult can be so many different things. We have a, uh, mm-hmm. we have a medical cult right now, uh, people that are blindly <laughs> believing in, in ridiculous medicine. We have a political cult. We have an education. There's so many aspects of what a cult is and what it's become these yeah. days so well, we live in very interesting times i mean there's criteria for cult and just remember anything can become a cult mm. so and any one of us can be indoctrin- indoctrinated into a cult at any time and so one of the criteria in <clears throat> but onto the occult when we're talking about elites and stuff like that mm. i mean intense important so if you're going to look at magic like you said Intent, your intention is always important with magic. So it's like, it's not like you said that that is bad because occult just means hidden, you know, you know, out of view kind of thing. Right. But it's your intent and why you're doing it and what y- you are p- kind of projecting on the world and your other fellow human beings. And there's a lot of people who have really bad, uh, intentions and one of the biggest magic of course going out there is that brainwashing marketing propaganda and in Bernays he was um what the nephew of Sigmund Freud he kind of got that down to a T early on but any anything can become a cult and I mean there is criteria to it but there's also like I mean god we could go so many places with cults because there are probably working things that you're involved in that you are not interacting with them in a very cult-like manner because you're on the outer peripheries of the group. But when you get into the inner people who are really involved, it starts looking more like a cult. So it's so complex because humans have the need to belong in a group Mm -hmm. and we feel very vulnerable when we're not in a group. So it's almost our basic survival to be in a group and cults really take advantage of that. And statistically more women are likely to get involved into like your typical Jim Jones cult than men. Well, it's probably changing with the internet and and really all that needs to happen to get involved in a cult is usually it's somebody with low self-esteem and who are very vulnerable and they're usually at a really bad time in their life and they have very low self-esteem and they're searching for an identity. It makes you a very dangerous and open person to, you know, abusive relationships and cults you know cults uh, they seem to have a very pyramid type of structure where there's always just this one person at the top that kind of formed Mm -hmm. everything and then everyone else is following is that the is that the case yes yeah usually usually you have an enigmatic leader and then he'll have his cronies it's i mean and and that enigmatic leader you take Jim Jones, for example, he's always going to have that sort of triad personality disorder. He'll have the Machiavellianism, the narcissism, and some psychopathy. That, that kind of, that's a dangerous mix. It's like Adolf Hitler. It's like Mussolini, Stalin. They all have that mix. Jim Jones was like that, too. In fact, Jim Jones copied a lot of Hitler in the way he, he spoke. I think he idolized him early on, but he was preaching to people who were very vulnerable minorities and presented it as love and light. I mean, and he had the most devious intentions underneath. And I don't even know if he fully knew 
I think he might have believed his BS at first. I don't even think he totally knew where it was going to end up. I think he just had that psychopathy naturally, and he it, it just pushed into that direction. The more that he gets people, but like the way that it's done, it's almost it's it's like it it never changes. It's done to that process almost every single cult. You know, they start off with the compliments and approaching you and it's almost like they know that you have low self-esteem that they they have a type of person that they know they can go for and then it it develops into you know invite you know complimenting you trying to make you feel good inviting you somewhere and then when you get closer they love bomb you and this happens in abusive relationships too and they love bomb you so you feel like wow i i finally feel so important this is it this is the one, this is my, you know, twin flame. This is the group. This is the thing. And, you know, maybe you've had low self-esteem or you've come from an abusive background, or you might've even come from a family that was in religious cults to begin with. And so once they love bomb you and they, what they do is they get you to associate that group with those good feelings. So you're not associating your own achievements, your own self with the good feelings. You're associating the group and the leader with that feel good. And it creates like this, like chemical, almost like addiction in your brain. And so when, when you get into that group and then they'll say things like, now you have to give up all your stuff. Now you have to give up this, join us. We'll take care of you. And then once they got you in there and they've isolated you from everybody, that's when a lot of the mind control starts, which is basically abuse. And there's a a myriad of mind control that I won't go into. Mm -hmm. And they do that. So they start abusing you with all that mind control. And then they, you'll be like, what? And and then they'll pull you back in. They'll give you a little bit more of that love bombing to make you feel good. And then you're like, oh, I've got it back again. That's your hit. That's your high. And then they'll start abusing you again and pulling you out. It's like this trauma bonding process with cults. And, and a lot of times they'll introduce drugs and everything. And so by the time things are done, I mean, you you know, you're in Jonestown drinking Kool-Aid. Yeah. Yeah. And it gets really messed up. And that's just a short version of it. I mean, we could go on and on and on, but it's, they started that process to associate the group, the leader and the cult with everything good in your life. Yeah. And it seems that there are some, I don't want to say innocent cults, but some cults that aren't, you know, going off the, some of the deep edges and like, like some of the stuff you said, drinking Kool-Aid and, <laughs> and getting people to have these radical ideals and even radical actions. There's some that, uh, I guess it's just, uh, you know, having a sense of, um, belonging and, um, you know, um, a sense of community yes. with some of these people. And we see that a lot in, you know, some of the, uh, you know, metaphysical stuff that's going on, some of the new mm-hmm. age um, movement that we're seeing, even in the UFO uh, yeah. community. There's like uh, <laughs> not always innocent because some of the information can be harmful coming out. It's, it's some of it's yes. ridiculous, like some of the secret space program stuff like they got. They've got some cults in this community yeah. that I don't want to that are probably just like borderline you shouldn't be there, you know. Yeah. Well, there is there is a lot of, there are cults that are benign that aren't as devious. Mm-hmm. And one of the things like if you can just if you can join a group freely and leave freely without being persecuted and attacked, like that's what a cult will do. They'll go after you and they'll destroy your life. That's narcissism when you leave. They may even try to hurt you or harm you. If you can come and go freely, then it's not doesn't really have all the elements of a cult just because it's a group, you know, but usually cults, the real bad ones um, and the controlling ones, 
they will, number one, they don't want you to tell people what's really going on. They'll try to make it look like you're insane. Another element of cults is they'll collect information on you. Scientology does this. They, they collect all your private stuff. That's called, you know, and they do this at a certain stage. Once you're in there and they trust you, and it's going to be part of the process of growing. You have to confess. You have to tell them. And they store all that information, not because they're trying to help you, but because they're going to use that against you if you ever try to fight back and say no or say I'm going to leave. They're like, oh, but we have this little secret information here. So they'll use that stuff. And they'll if you leave, they will destroy you because you leaving you're going to maybe take your money with you. You're going to tell other people. You're going to start speaking out. You have an independent mind. The leader loses control. So you must be destroyed. That's that that narcissistic psychopathy. Yeah. In so, cults. Scientology, you mentioned that. I'm glad you did. It's an mm. obvious cult, uh, but it's like mm. one of the things that the cults that are like accepted in the mainstream and it's cool because celebrities are joining it. But man, the things that when I hear some of the things going on, I'm sure there's so much more to it that are secret that you're not going to hear about, but it's so disturbing. Mm. It just seems like they're breeding like psychopaths to me. I don't know. Oh, yeah. And. You know, when somebody like Tom Cruise can join that and not talk to his daughter because she's not part of it. I mean, that's, I can't imagine not talking to my son because he's not a Scientologist. I can't imagine staying in a group or putting up with any abusive relationship that said, you can't talk to your son anymore because he's not a Scientologist or I'm threatened by him or I can't imagine doing that. So you have to be pretty brainwashed and crazy, in my opinion to not talk to your own child because your cult, your religion forbids you to talk to outsiders. Yeah. It's it, and that, and that's a hallmark of any kind of cult is that it's an us versus them. And they'll pit that in fairly early is that the other people outside are evil. They're doing bad and we're the goodies. So it doesn't matter if you support Biden you support Trump, you support Oprah Winfrey. If they're positing that there's goodies and baddies, you should be careful. <laughs> yeah, it, like it's, sure. it's, it's really devious and it turns you against other people and it makes you more attached to the group more than ever. You become so dependent on the group that you can't, you can't even dress yourself properly without the group. And that's the whole point of it is that you'll never leave. And it's almost like they're sucking you dry. They're using up your energy. And by the time you leave, through all that abuse, you're going to be like a zombie shell of who the former person you were. It would take a lot of recovery. You'll never be the same. That's crazy. Are there any yeah. um, Are there any aspects of cults or any modern cults or, or, or cults from our history that you've been personally looking into uh, that you'd like to talk about a little bit? Well, of course, I, I the, all the woke stuff that's happening ah, is... Yeah. Insane. Go. It's hard because you can't necessarily point to one leader, but I'm sure in smaller factions and groups and universities, you've got charismatic people running the show. And and it does run like that, whereas if you don't believe the woke stuff anymore and you kind of speak out, you're, you know, vilified. You're they'll either call you a racist or they'll call you a whole bunch of stuff, whatever, to down you just because you question their logic or lack of logic or lack of actual factual science. <laughs> But the woke stuff, people were saying like QAnon was dangerous. Well, it is to a point it is, but most people can leave QAnon and be fine. The woke stuff is devious because it's it's weaved right into all the schools now. It's in all the corporations. It's in everything. I find it more devious because I think it's having a long-term effect 
If you're not woke, you're going to go Q broke. QAnon, yeah, yeah. If it's having more of a long-term effect than QAnon, and I think yeah. QAnon believes ridiculous stuff, but it's going to have more of a long-term effect because it's infiltrated in all of the faculties and the schools and and everything now, and no one's just teaching math and and English. They're teaching like the most absurd stuff. I, I won't get into. I mean, yes. I think we all know some of the crazy stuff they're teaching. Well, I, I find uh, that one of the most disturbing that's happening right now. Oh, yeah. It, well, we've been subject to this massive, I call them death cult. Uh, they've been slowly infiltrating everything, I believe. You know, At least in modern times, they've probably been in control for a long time. But I think in modern times, after World War II, after Project Paperclip, after we started bringing all these, these crazy scumbags in, they started infiltrating everything in our country. Yeah. JFK was uh, a next stepping stone for them to infiltrate even more. And then we have a series of staged events and uh, horrifying traumatic events to traumatize the, the masses, to get them to live in fear and follow the cult's agendas. But they had so much control, they were able to do it so well, Call and they have control of the media, which is like a, a huge, just it's a tool for magic, for mass mind control and magic uh, to, to keep us what? in a certain state of mind, right? So they have everything to, to do this massive global yeah. type of cult operation. It's, it's disturbing because people look at the news and they, they trust it. They, 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 you know, they think if you're democratic, you're better that like, as if all politicians aren't being sneaky and devious and aren't money hungry and aren't, you know, but they trust the news and they think that's factual. And then when you start actually looking at it, you realize that CNN lies all the time. So, so does Fox will lie. So does MSNBC. Like they all lie. Uh, I'm in Canada. We have CBC. Most of their funding comes from the government. They lie for Trudeau all the time. They lied about the truckers and the protests. And that's why a lot of them had their counts seized and stuff, because the news was just lying about what was happening. They lie for government propaganda. Um, I almost can't even see the difference between, you know, media and government anymore. It, nah, it's like right. like it's like they're working on behalf of a politician when they shouldn't be. They should be neutral. And that's not happening anymore. And that's the problem with the media. It's shifted. It's changed since these moguls have run 24-7 news channels. And it's become speaking for a political party instead of, you know, speaking factual stuff about every candidate, regardless of what side they're on. Yeah, absolutely right. I was, I'm always interested to hear about how things are currently going in Canada. I have uh, quite a few mm. friends that live there, and when I talk to them, I like to get updates because uh, it's been hard for you guys. It's been extremely hard. It's a lot different <laughs> than here in the United States, and yes. we, we take that for granted. We don't realize some of the hardships that you guys are going through because we've always thought of Canada as just like America Part Two, your cool buddies up there, <laughs> you know, nice buddy Canadians. <laughs> but uh, the, the people in control there, the government, are just as nefarious as our government, and we don't ever think oh, about yeah. that. But it affects you guys a lot more because you have these these horrific type of uh, agendas and 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 things that are occurring yeah. that are for control purposes. But it's easier for it to, them to get away with it there. Yeah, and Canadian politics took a very nefarious turn when Trudeau got into power. Um. He is a narcissist. He's a smear campaigner. He's a liar. 
he is, you know, he tries to pretend that Trump is someone bad. And I do think Trump's narcissistic, definitely. He's high on himself. But Trudeau does it in a different way. Trudeau does the woke stuff where he's like this, oh, omnipotent. He's speaking all this nice. He's nicey nice. And you know, he's not really like that. He's been caught in so many frauds. He's changed our government for the worst. And everyone keeps saying, well, they need to change the laws. They need to make them tighter. And I'm like, sure, they could. But, you know, when you are dealing with somebody like that and and people who are manipulating and people who have that, they'll always see loopholes. They'll always see ways to get around laws and corrupt the system for their own good. Um, you know, I, I don't know if it's factual that he's working for Klaus Schwab or who else he's working for, but he certainly isn't working for the Canadian people. And most Canadian people um, are just too daft to see it. I mean, he doesn't have a majority government. Uh, we're not a republic like the United States. You know, we're just not. It's, it's you know, there's not fair and equal representation from every province in there. And he he we have this really big social system and I don't have a problem with socialized stuff. You know, you need some structure for, you need to have a, a safety net for pop people who are, you know, going under hardships. I don't have a problem with that, but when that involves paying the media off to represent you and lie, I have a problem with that. And so there's some, there's some problems in the Canadian system that I think nobody saw coming because they didn't see some megalomaniac, narcissistic little rich boy getting into power and that that's what Trudeau is he's privileged he's not very well educated and he's he just talks the good woke talk and he's got a higher agenda and and I think it's he's he's got to be linked up to other people in power and the you know the world economic forum and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and he's really destroyed he thinks he's making Canada better and I think he's destroyed Canada because I think it was a much better country before he came into power Oh yeah, definitely, hundred um, percent. Do you think that the the awakening that is going on across the planet right now? I mean, it's pretty inevitable that people are kind of snapping out of the zombification and spell that they've been mm-hmm. under. And I think it's on a larger scale than we'll ever know because the mass media doesn't want people to know that people are actually mm-hmm. snapping out of it and going against us. So I think there's a majority on on our side. I think there is a majority of people awakening. Yeah. Gives me hope that we can somehow rise up against this or just you know be able to not participate enough in their corrupt systems to where it crumbles yeah. and you know and it's that's able yeah. to start over but do, do you have I hope think, that that's going on in canada too um i do in a way it's, it's whether or not it's sustainable and i don't know if they want if their intention is to make the whole system fall like maybe that's what they want mm-hmm. maybe they want to watch the system burn um but There's not like the problem isn't that you want everyone to have equal rights. That's that's a given. That's in our that's in our charter of rights in Canada. Everybody has equal rights. It doesn't matter if you're trans, gay, white, black, Muslim, you have equal rights. So all these special laws that give specialized groups even more power is. That's what he's doing. That's really weird that you don't need that if you have a charter of rights and everybody has equal rights under the law. Right. You know, writing all this stuff is is. It's, it's kind of, it's questionable, you know, and, and I, I think Canadians are noticing because right now they've deemed what they did with the truckers, basically arresting truckers. If I donated money to the trucker fund, they would have shut my account down. 
that they've deemed that illegal. Yeah, the ju- a court has. So they're being questioned about that. So there are people who are fighting back big time in Canada and have seen it. And the world saw it. The world saw what the truckers were. I had friends in Ottawa. You know, there's bouncy castles and there's, you know, they made them like they were a whole bunch of, you know, swastika carrying Nazis running around, you know, and that's it's a blatant lie. They're just, you know, hardworking middle class Canadians protesting so they can actually walk around without a mask and they don't have to be forced to get a vaccination. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I am encouraged. We live, I think we're living in some of the most important times in our history. Uh, I think that this, everything, the turmoil that we're experiencing probably needed to happen. We needed to experience some growing pains. So maybe we put on our big boy pants and be uh, <laughs> a little bit more responsible as humans, yeah, yeah. you know, but I think we're, we're definitely going to come out of everything on, on the better side. We may have some, some roughy, bumpy road, rough, bumpy roads yeah. ahead, but I think we're, <clears throat> we can, you know, as a majority, if we come together and we keep uh, kind of going through this awakening that we can come out a little better. What do you think? Yeah. Well, hopefully, I think it's going to depend on what 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 is the global agenda and is it sustainable? Will it work? It, it may fall all apart. I don't know. And how is how is it that we play a part in making it stronger or making it fall apart? I, I don't know those answers necessarily. Yeah. Like, I know I know there is an agenda. I know there is their twenty thirty plans, and I know China Mao whatever not Mao but Xi Jinping there he's got a big plan of dominance and he's you know china's tried to become independent so they can basically declare war and they're trying to become independent for the same reason that like so they don't have sanctions when they go on after taiwan they go after these places nobody can sanction them but i I also find like everything that just happened in the two year to past two years is so insane you know this pandemic the riots and all this crazy stuff that happened in america brick throwing antifa uh, you know I, there's a bazillion you know the, all the trials and cases in january 6th and then you've got ukraine i i think that's way too much coincidence oh. like the, the like the fact that that's all just wasn't in the plan and then you know pulling out of afghanistan and then getting involved in Ukra- ukraine and i think it's really weird so i i don't know yeah, maybe it is, is cause stage. and effect, but it it's a it's it feels like a couple of decades just happened in two years. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> you know, yeah. there there is a, a definite quickening, and uh, I'm you know what I'm just gonna buckle up and and be along for the ride, and enjoy it. <laughs> That's the yeah, only well, thing. Yeah, well, what, I can what do. else can you do, man? Right. What else can you do? Yeah, like and you can't. Well, if it's in play, you can't stop it. Right. As one person. I guess uh, like I a lot of people get upset and they get themselves into tizzy and they do stupid things about it, and I'm like. You're not, if it's in play, if the ball's rolling down the hill, you got to let it roll until it smashes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm an infinite soul. You know? I came here to party. So let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's got too much momentum. And who knows? Maybe it worked out. Maybe yeah. electric will be a good thing and it will be cheaper in 10 years and we'll all be happy. Or maybe it won't. I have no idea. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I'm we, not psychic. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we're definitely here during some, some fan fantastic times some terrifying times but uh times that i think are very important too and necessary so it's all good in my eyes uh melissa thank you so much this was fantastic we're gonna have to do this again for sure uh before you head out let everyone know what you're doing with your podcast what they're about and where they can find them okay well we have a facebook group it's a folklore dark so join there because that's the place where i'll post everything that's happening there's a youtube channel 
Um, and if you go to the website, folkloredart.com, all our links are there. Uh, we're, I'm releasing an episode on UFO cults today with Dean Bertram. I'm going to be having another one about a vampire book coming out in the next week or so. So it's great. And one of the reasons I started Folklore Dark was because of all the chaos we're going through. I thought, you know what? I don't want to p- p- focus on politics necessarily anymore. Let's just let's just share some stories and get some interesting content that gets us out of this kind of paranoid <laughs> place we've been for the past two years. So um, folkloredark.com, all the links are there. And check us out on Facebook group because that's where I do most of the interaction right now. Perfect. Melissa, thank you so much. I had a great time. And like I said, we'll definitely have to do this again in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. All right. Till next time, everyone, have an excellent evening. We'll be talking again Monday. We'll see you then.